Welcome back to episode 53 of Moms in Baseball. I'm Diana, and today Stephanie is going to be sitting this episode out as she is in Cary, North Carolina with her son at the USA Baseball National Training Complex, and that's something exciting we'll be talking about in a future episode. But today I'm joined by my brother, Coach Brian Stevens. He's coach of this past year's 12U Saginaw Bay River Dogs, and we joined Brian's team at the Wave Rider week-long tournament July 25th through the 30th. And again, we were there with the 12U division. So he's here to talk about this unofficial guide to the Myrtle Beach Ripken experience. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So first, everybody wants to know what the facilities are like. So can you talk to us a little bit about the facilities at Myrtle Beach? Uh, all the fields are are turf. They have three, I would say, 13U and older type of facilities for the older kids. And I don't know if there's five or six fields for what I would say 12U or under. Um, the fields are based on old school stadiums and they're kind of, they've got really weird dimensions, but all the fields, <laughs> all the fields are turf, but they've got, you know, one field, uh, 188 down the line, and then it jets straight out to 300 feet in center field. It's, it's kind of a, the, the kids had a blast playing there. Yeah. So as Brian mentioned, the smaller fields catered to the 10U and 12U that were at this tournament, but they also had a 13U division and a 15-16U division in the same tournament. I'm just going to go based on some information they had on their website. There were nine total fields, and you're right, there were five youth fields for like probably the 10, 11, 12U type ages, and then they actually had four regulation diamonds for the for the older kids. And like Brian said, they are historic fields. So every field has like a little history that you can read about. Cause I, I hadn't heard most of these. I hadn't heard of most of them. Like what were the, some of the fields that they have? That you've oh, heard now of? you're putting me on the Pol- spot. Polo grounds, right? That was a yep. field. Polo grounds. That was one of the older fields mm-hmm. I, that wasn't on, on ours. Yeah. That um, was one of the bigger We played fields. at Duncan. I see the fields were Duncan, Huntington Park, yep. Naven Field, and... Oh, that's fine. That's I don't remember what the other ones either. were, but they, they were, they were you know, miniature replicas of these stadiums. And it, it was a lot of fun. The kids, are, you know, came in and they're like, oh, I'm going to put so many out. And, you know, they get up there and they're, they don't. But it, right. it was, it, it was fun to see some of these 12U kids uh, that actually did launch a couple deep bombs and they, they all had, they had a blast. Yeah. Some of them at least had really funny dimensions, like you said, where you, you could get it out left or right, but good luck getting it out of center. Yeah. So one of the fields, <laughs> it's like a this, triangle. It was a an odd triangle. Center field at the closest point was two seventy away, but then straight out from that point, it jets back out further away from home plate, and then it's three hundred feet there. So you technically could hit a ball, you know, right directly in line and not have it go out. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it it's it was a weird dimension, and I think we only saw one ball, maybe two balls, get tucked away in one of those crazy dimension fields. Um, each of the fields had bullpen mounds on the side, mm-hmm. uh, which was really nice. Uh, the kids were excited about that because you know, they're, other than Grand Park, I don't think too many of our other facilities that we played on had a bullpen mound where the kids can actually warm up. Right. And according to their site, they have 30 bullpens around the facility. And I believe that because there's one area that we walked by that had like eight bullpens right next to each other. Yeah. So they, they have an awesome setup where they have, and I'm, I'm kind of looking at your notes here a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but they have one area that they have like eight batting cages. They have another area 
you know, closer to some other fields where they've got like six batting cages. And then they have another area that's got another six batting cages. They have two warm up areas um, that we use that are also turf. Kids basically played wiffle ball on there. I literally thought they were wiffle ball fields. Like that's what they looked like, but they were perfect for like working on situations or hitting some little ground balls or whatever. Yeah, there weren't there weren't too many teams that were actually having practice on there, but they they would go over there and they would warm up um, if needed. We'll get to it probably in a little bit, but each of the games they had a two hour time limit. Most of the games didn't take that long, so you could actually have enough time to warm up on the field. So you didn't necessarily need to play catch in the little designated warm up areas that we use for wiffle ball and and stuff <laughs> like that. And and if you had a, a break between games, kids were out there playing wiffle ball. And, right. And it's 87 degrees outside, but the feel like temperature, the heat index was like 97. And they just don't care. They're they're out there playing and having a good time. Yeah, they're young, I guess. So along with the temperatures, one nice thing is that they do have shaded bleacher seating. And I would say there was a sufficient amount of bleacher seating. It's still always going to be nice to bring a chair. But if you bring a chair, it's nice to have an umbrella or a tent because it's just it's just going to be really hot in Myrtle Beach. Surprise, you know. Well, the, the other nice thing is if you got the third base side on... Was it three of the fields? If you played an afternoon game, there was a good chance that you were going to be in the shade also. Yeah. Because those... they've got a wooded area and they lost a ton of baseballs because people would hit a fall ball out in the woods and you're not getting those back. Uh, people weren't trampling through the woods to get in those. Right. So uh, we usually like to talk about parking. They definitely had a sufficient amount of parking when we go through the scheduling. We'll talk about the one day where the parking could maybe be an issue. But again, it's it's a pretty spread out complex, you know, considering that with the nine fields. So there can be a decent amount of walking. You're not necessarily going to park real close to where you're playing. Correct. And and one thing that I, I thought was kind of interesting and I thought it was very nice of them Uh there was staff all over and a lot of them, they, they drove golf carts and if they were going somewhere and they saw somebody that looked like they might need a ride, Hey, hop on. And they would, you know, give them a little ride to and from not necessarily the parking lot, but you know, to the front of the park or to the back of the park or something like that. There were quite a few that actually, you know, utilize that. And that, that was, that was a nice feature because it is so spread out. Um, but you never had to worry about, you know, getting hit by a foul ball. You never oh, had no. to worry about any of that other stuff. I mean, it's it's a wide open area, lots of room for warming up. That's not an issue. Um, there was enough parking, but the parking was a, a good distance away. Right. And that was a, something they advertise on their site is that if, you know, somebody needs a ride and you don't happen to run into a golf cart, just let them know when you walk in the, the front gate and and let them know you need a ride and they'll send somebody to come pick you up. Also, they had a couple buildings that had concessions and regular flush toilets. So the restrooms were fine. Again, they may be a decent walk, but if you were somebody that needed help, you could always catch a ride on one of the golf carts. The concessions seemed like pretty standard concessions to me. I didn't find them to be overly expensive or overly inexpensive either. They were just really pretty standard concession items that they carried. However, they did also have some... Oh, what do you call them? Like push cart type people selling yes. like frozen drinks. Well, they had people that came around and they, they sold uh, slushies and, and whatnot. The, the one thing I did like about the concessions, we didn't get to necessarily utilize it, is you could go inside and order the concessions. But because of COVID and regulations, the inside dining area was closed off. Uh, so in a normal year, you could go inside, get your concession, and then you could sit inside in the air conditioning and be able to eat, eat oh, food. I 
And they also had uh, like outdoor patio seating around. Uh, They had umbrellas and stuff so you could, you know, get out of the shade and whatnot. So I thought that was pretty nice. Get into the shade more like. Get out of the sun. Yes. Yes. I'm oh, sorry. And they yes. had, um, there was a big area with a, a couple of big areas with big tents and picnic tables too. So they did have some shady spots set up for people to go. Areas with shade, but I wouldn't oh, consider it shady. I see. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but actually those, those tents I thought were pretty genius actually, because there were teams that you're still not sure when you're going to play or whatever. And, you know, we might go use the batting cages and then we can't get on the field just yet. And so our teams would go sit, you know, in, in the shade, get out of the sun. And they were able to at least, you know, stay a little bit cooler because it, it gets pretty toasty in, in July down in uh, Myrtle beach. So, uh, I, I really appreciate it as, as a coach, I appreciated the area and the time that my boys were able to get out of the sun and, you know, kind of chill a little bit. Right. And it wasn't every day, but for at least one or two days that we were there, they did have a Chick-fil-A set up where you could go buy Chick-fil-A on site. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really get to partake in that. Uh, I was a little busy. You were a little busy? Yeah. But um, actually, that was like one of the rewards for returning a foul ball is depending on the on the field and, and everything, if you return a foul ball, they'd give you like a little coupon. card, a coupon for a free free Chick-fil-A. You could either get a sandwich or you could get some nuggets or something like that. And my my uh, seven-year-old daughter was really excited to, to get that. And then as soon as a couple of kids found out that she was getting Chick-fil-A, then some other kids started joining. And some of my kids actually started going to some of the older fields where they were giving out Chick-fil-A cards and they were trying to hurry up and they were in competition trying to <laughs> get fall ball so that they could get some free Chick-fil-A. Yeah, and I, I've heard at other tournaments they've given things like baseball cards or things like that. So they may have like little rewards for bringing back foul balls yep. because like Brian mentioned, they probably lose plenty. Yeah, and that was not at every field and that was not at every game. Right. So let's go through a few of the extras that this tournament offers and that kind of go towards making this more of a destination vacation type tournament versus just a standard tournament that you would take your team to besides the fact that it's a week-long tournament. So some of the things that they advertised that they do um, and they follow through with was every team got a case of water available every day. And then you also got some Gatorades for the players. Can you just briefly mention how that worked? Yeah. So when, when we get to the field, we had a coach bring a cooler and filled the cooler with ice before we left the condo. And when we got to the field, we get the, the case of water, dump all the waters into the cooler. And hopefully by game time, the, the waters would be much cooler. Ripken does not provide ice. That would be a lot of ice to provide to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to bring your own ice. And then you get one free Gatorade per day. And the kids generally... Uh, I think most of them waited until after the games to get their Gatorade. It was kind of like a little treat on the way home. It was hot, and they were trying to use it as a refreshing treat after the games. Right. There was just a cooler set up with the Gatorades, and you could, the kids and the coach could grab one on their way out or on their way in if they preferred. Yep. But it's just one thing that we noticed, especially because it was so hot. Sometimes we'll, we'll get into the scheduling later. Sometimes you had one game. Usually you had two games. That was not enough water for your team to rely solely on the waters that they provided. Like you, you still no. should send your kids with cold water. Yeah. My, my players went through quite a bit of water. Yeah, I would say still pick your kid with plenty of water, but it's nice to know that Ripkin provides this so that when they're dehydrated or they're running out, they've got plenty of water on hand. 
uh, one thing a parent noticed, and I'm going to apologize if Ripken offered this and we just didn't notice it, but you have all these teams getting a case of water every day. So that is just a ton of trash, of plastic garbage. And we didn't notice any recycling bins or anything set up to collect all those water bottles. So that was just kind of one thing a parent had mentioned that, you know, she loves that Ripken provided this for the teams, but it would be nice if if we felt like there was somewhere we could easily recycle all those bottles. Yeah, I don't recall seeing anything specific. Right. And along the lines with um, coolers, they do allow, and this is unusual, especially for, you know, a nice tournament at a nice facility like this they allow outside food to be brought in they allowed outside drinks to be brought in and you can bring coolers in you are not allowed to bring alcohol um but yes you are allowed to bring food drink and coolers so that's a huge bonus i'm gonna have brian explain these in the next section but something else that they're going to offer at this tournament um is going to be skills competitions there's three of them that they offer on the first day of the tournament there is no gate fee and no parking fee so what you pay for the tournament to get in that's it. I mean, there's a couple extra things you can purchase, but nothing else that's mandatory. There is no stay-to-play requirement, so they don't make you book through their hotel booking company or anything like that. You're free to stay wherever you'd like to stay. And I actually think I want to pause there for a second, and, and let's talk about what your team did, because I think that was unique, and I think that was one thing that made this tournament extra special. You guys used Ripken Experience as an alternative to Cooperstown, which is what you were originally planning to do. So the kids were looking at doing that dorm experience and everything at Cooperstown because of, we're not even going to go into all the reasons why, but you decided not to do Cooperstown, decided to go to Ripken instead. And so since Ripken does not have a dorm or dorm experience, um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you guys did? Yeah. So when we made the decision to not go to Cooperstown, uh, we we looked at a couple a couple different options, and then we landed on Myrtle Beach. Um, one of our families has an older daughter, and she had played in Ripken a long time ago. They had a great experience, and they kind of sold us on on this. I mean, we stayed at the same condo. Um, where was that at? Sandy, Sandy Beach. Beach. We stayed there. Um, all the families basically stayed at the same complex. We were fortunate that we were able to each get a room and. The nice thing is when we had downtime and it was a little bit more expensive because you're getting a, a condo right on the beach, but downstairs in the, you know, between uh, the condo and the water, you could choose uh, what, what do they have? One, two, three, what do they have four pools. Oh, I don't know. They, yeah, I think plenty. they had four pools, a lazy river and, a, you know, a large area where you could you know sit outside and then you could also go to the beach. But it was nice to have all the families and all in one location, and then we were able to hang out after after the games and whatnot. And a couple nights we went walked down the street and went and got ice cream. There's a a large fair carnival. type of carnival amusement park. Yeah. Um. There's no entry to get in, but if you wanted to do any of the rides or anything else like that, then you paid. It was a little bit more like a fair mm-hmm. than an amusement park. Um. They had a roller coaster. They had you know. It, it, it was wheel, it was yeah. it was very nice. Yeah, and so I liked it because to some degree it almost was the best of both worlds in terms of like staying at a hotel with families and staying in a dorm because everybody was together. The kids kind of all got to hang out, but the coaches weren't responsible for the kids at the end of the night. They still went home. <laughs> that was with nice. The parents and the families all got to hang out. So it it really kind of was a nice mesh and you could do whatever you wanted. You could all stay at your own place and just find a, you know, 
a place that works within your own budget. But that worked out really nicely. And I I think the Sandy Beach condo was in a great location. Obviously, they've got so many, so many amazing places to stay in Myrtle Beach. You're not going to have a hard time finding a nice place to stay. But I do like that part of Myrtle Beach. There's just so much to do right there. And right on the other side of Sandy Beach is the Westgate Resort. And I've actually stayed there as well. They're both places I would recommend. Uh, But getting back to the extras that Ripken offers... So they've got announcers and walk-up music. So you're going to have somebody at each game that's going to announce the lineup before the game and then announce the kid as they're coming up to play. They're going to have music. So it's just a nice little extra bonus. Uh, As Brian had mentioned earlier, they have plenty of staff all over the place. You're going to see staff on golf carts and working, cleaning up the fields. So they, they do a great job keeping the fields maintained and cleaned. And then... Along with this experience, the kids and coaches are going to get an entertainment package, is what they call it, which is basically going to be coupons for extra things to do. Yep. So, yeah, you had uh, players and and coaches got a free entry into the water park. We did that one day. Uh, I think we had a game at 8.30. We were done by 10.30, and I think we were at the water park by noon. Um, We just went home, grabbed lunch, and then headed up there, and we were up there for a good chunk of the day. And then one of the other things, uh, we had a free free pass for putt-putt golf. And there was a third thing, and I don't remember what that was. And speaking of putt-putt, there's obviously a million things to do in Myrtle Beach, but I, I swear they must have a record for putt-putt courses because they are absolutely everywhere. Somebody said that Myrtle Beach is the putt-putt capital of the United States. I would believe like it. Per, per capita, there are more putt-putt places in Myrtle Beach than any other location. Yeah, so there's plenty to do there, but hopefully they like to pop pug. Um, something else that they offer at Myrtle Beach is live streaming of all the games. Again, this is something extra that if parents or family want to log in to watch the games, they do have to pay extra for that, but that is an option if your team doesn't already do your own sort of like live streaming. And then you they have photography, and I would say that it's very well staffed. They have plenty of photographers, and they did come to more than one game. Yeah, I think they were at two of our games okay. that, that I saw, and they, they got right out on the field. Like they're, they're right out on the field. They, they weren't in play, but they were, you know, between the fence and the catcher, you know, getting pictures of the, the batter and the, the catcher. And, you know, they're each of the kids that uh, paid for a photography package. They got like a little rubber band that they put around their shoe. And Mm -hmm. that was a indication that like, Hey, I need to make sure that I take pictures of this kid in if you were a parent and you knew that your kid was pitching, you could call or message the headquarters and say, hey, my kid's pitching. You know, can you come over here? And they would do their best right. uh, to try to get out uh, over there. And you had, yeah, you had to purchase this in advance, like Brian said, so that Correct. they would take pictures of your child. Otherwise, they weren't going to take pictures. I actually rented a professional lens for this tournament because I just thought it'd be just a fun, relaxing tournament for me. And I wanted to take some pictures, but I was definitely jealous of the angles those photographers could get. And I noticed like between innings, they would actually go stand on like behind the pitcher's mound to get pictures of the catcher. And I thought, well, that's an angle I can never, ever get. Yeah. You, you know? won't, you won't <laughs> ever get that. I, I, I will say, uh, I mean, we, we have what we've got Diana and we've got two other people as part of our group that also take pictures. And I mean, there's, there's things that Ripken was able to capture that you guys can't capture. Um, the one thing I do like, just because the moms that have taken pictures, it seems like they know the kids a little bit more, and they're able to take more candid shots of the ball players 
in non-baseball situations. They're in the dugout and they're laughing with their teammates. And, you know, you're, you're getting more pictures like that from mom where I think the, the photos of that they were taking at Ripken were more focused on, you know, what's happening between the foul lines. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably what people are looking for. They're looking Correct. for some professional action shots. Right. Especially so. since, you know, parents aren't necessarily willing to drop that type of money on, on a professional lens, you know, to, to, oh, yeah. To go on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, who would do that? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the scheduling and the management of the tournament. So I keep saying this was a week-long tournament, but it was technically Sunday through Friday or, well, Sunday through Thursday or Friday. <laughs> I'll or, say that. Or Monday through Thursday. There weren't there weren't any games on Sunday. Oh, but that's part of the experience. It's part of the, part of the experience. Yeah. If you're looking at the whole experience, uh, you've, you've got uh, the opening ceremonies and skills competition and everything on Sunday, and then you could, you know, your last game could, could potentially be on Friday. Right. So it's a six-game guarantee, and like Brian said, on Sunday you're going to have the opening ceremonies, but before that there's going to be a coaches meeting, and then there's going to be like a Q&A with an MLB ambassador, and you have the skills competition. And this will take place on half the day because they did the 10U and the 12U on the first half of the day for our tournament, and they did the 13U and then up the second half of the day because this is the one time where since every single person is there, they did not have enough parking for everybody. So they kind of, I don't want to say they race you through it, but it's done very efficiently and quickly, and then you're asked to leave when it's done so that the older kids can come in and there aren't parking issues. So I'm going to let Brian talk a little bit, first of all, about how you started the day with the coaches meeting and the MLB ambassador Q&A. Can you talk us yeah, through so that? Yeah, the, so the beginning of registration, you get there, you get your goodie bag, which each of the kids got like a Ripken hat and or a Ripken experience hat, which the kids really liked. Um, and then the coaches that were there, they got a swing trainer analysis. I think it was Diamond Connects. That was kind of like the coach's gift. And so that was kind of cool. Uh, then we went over to the big tent and they had a coach's meeting. They went over like how all the games were going to be run. Does anybody have any questions? And then when we're done with that, they had an MLB ambassador come in. And that is probably one of the cooler things that, that I was able to take away is, you know, here's a guy that's, you know, a few years out from playing major league baseball and talking about his experience and the role that coaches can play and what is travel baseball and what should it be about and it, it was kind of a it was a nice message and then you know he spoke for a little bit and then took questions and we asked him about his experience playing as a youth people asked him about you know MLB now versus MLB when he was playing and it was kind of an interesting take on him and he, it was kind of interesting that our MLB ambassador was Orlando Hudson and a lot of people outside of baseball are like okay who's Orlando Hudson and you know, he, I think he's a four-time gold glove uh, winner. He's a second baseman. Uh, he played for the Yankees, played for the Blue Jays. He was he played an all-star for, a couple times. He was an all-star. I mean, he, he's a very good MLB player that a lot of people don't necessarily know unless you are part of the baseball community. It was so cool because I was not expecting that. I was, you know, uh, a couple of our guys, they've had Cal Ripken there. They've had Ozzie Smith there. They're having, like, you know, some of these Hall of Fame-type right. guys there. And then, like, hey— it, you know, you're getting Orlando Hudson and I see some of the coaches looking around like, who's this guy? <laughs> and it it was one of the better things that that was there. And that that was great. Yeah. He he also spoke at opening ceremonies and he, he seemed like he had a ton of energy. He was a great speaker. Yeah. Oh, he was he was fantastic. He had he had an excellent message for the boys and for the coaches. And that that was 
for for the coaching experience, that was one of the cooler things that the Ripken experience provided. You know, he's sitting sitting there talking about MLB today versus, you know, how much baseball do you watch? He's like, I don't watch baseball. <laughs> I watch college softball. <laughs> <laughs> and go. he talks about college softball so much faster and all this other stuff. And he's like, you know, there's good ball players, but this is exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like Brian said, it kind of depends on what site you're at and what week you go, which MLB ambassador you're going to have. But right. my guess is they're all going to be good. Oh, they're from what I've seen from from the Ripken experience, it truly is an MLB type of experience as much as you can get with youth baseball. I mean, it's it's definitely highly recommended that, you know, if you get a chance to do any of these Ripken experiences, especially the one in Myrtle Beach, that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, I would do that in a heartbeat. Okay, and then there's not much to say about the opening ceremonies. Once you went through the meeting and the Q&A, the teams kind of all met up together on one big field for the opening ceremony. It was very just quick and efficient. Like, here's the Saginaw Bay River Dogs. They're from Saginaw, Michigan, or maybe they're just, they're from Michigan. You all tip, you stood up and tipped your hat. Then they went to the next team and the next team and the next team. And so it, it was just very, very quick. The parents were all standing around watching and then... And then we had the Orlando Hudson ten ten minutes or so speech with Orlando Hudson, and the kids did seem to enjoy it. I noticed going through pictures, all their eyes were glued to him, so he didn't speak too long to where he lost their attention or anything like that. So it it was good. He had a message, like Brian said, for kids, for parents, for everybody. And then as soon as that was done, they broke the teams up into groups, and you basically had four. You had four different stations. Stations, thank you. You had like four different stations that you went to. And so one of the stations was just simply pictures so that they could get everybody's individual picture to make a team picture then to later sell to you, which our team did end up buying. Um, And and then the other three stations were the skills competitions. So if you could just briefly talk about, see, we had home run derby, turn in two, and then the relay competition. Yeah. So you only get uh, one, only one kid can do home run derby. Um, they want everybody on the team to do at least one of these, one of these things. Okay. So you are given that recommendation or that no, requirement? No, they, they said that it's a requirement. Okay. They, they want you to do this. And so at practice, you know, we had, you know, I said, who wants to do a home run derby? And you know, pretty much everybody's hand went up and I said, well, I can only choose one. So we had a home run derby off. <laughs> this and is before this you was went before to we got down to okay. Myrtle beach and, uh, the kid that, ended up winning it. He represented us in the home run derby. I did not know that's how you did that. Yeah, so that's how we that's how we chose that. Okay. And then from there, uh we actually had a couple different groups. We ran through like each of the turn 2 and outfield relays. We ran through those simulations at practice and trying to think, you know, what's going to give us the best the best shot of, you know, having fun <laughs> and being competitive and it worked out really well. So it 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 was it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of a lot of fun that practice. Um, you know the the turn two. Um, you had a third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, first baseman, and pitcher. And you, know, you also had a catcher. So the way that they ran it, and I wasn't prepared for this. I was waiting for my glory because I like hitting fungos. I like hitting ground balls. And get there, and they're like, "Nope, we're shooting ground balls out of the jugs machine." I'm like, no. I, I actually liked it because I felt like it was more consistent. Yeah, it was. It was. It was better. But I was. I was prepared. Oh. I was. I was pumped. I've been training 20 <laughs> years for this. Oh my gosh. But no, but um. So they they shot the balls out of the jugs machine. So first one ground ball to third. You know, 
throw it to second, throw it to first, first throws it to the catcher. As soon as the catcher caught the ball and put it in the bucket, then they're shooting a ground ball to, to short. And then he turned two there. Then same thing. Then you move over to the second base. And then from second base, uh, then you throw it to first. Well, when first base does it, they field it, they throw it to the shortstop, and then the pitcher is the one that covers. Right. And so we, we did very well. I think we got third overall uh, at that. That seems about right. Out of the 27 teams, I think we end up getting third, which was I was very happy with for our turn two, especially since our shortstop and our second baseman for the turn two are not our shortstop or second baseman. Right. And I thought something interesting about the turn in two, especially because I'm comparing it to how we did that skills competition in Branson, was that the first baseman's transfer became really relevant. Like for us in Branson, the first baseman was the one who dropped it in the bucket. But for this competition, the first baseman is part of catching it and then transferring it and throwing it home. Yep. So uh, from there, then we moved to pictures and we got our picture taken and all that other stuff. Then we moved to the outfield relays and the outfield relays, they started with a person in left field, a person at third, and then one catcher at home. And then you also had a right fielder. You had basically like a first baseman and then you had another catcher at home. Right. And so you have the left fielder. And as soon as they say on your mark, a set, go, the left fielder turns and sprints to a cone. And on top of the cone is a ball and you pick it up, you throw it into the third baseman, third baseman takes the relay, throws it home to catcher number one, catcher number one, puts it in the bucket. As soon as the ball's in the bucket, then the guy in right field turns and goes and gets his ball and throws it to the first baseman. First baseman catches it and throws it to the catcher and you put it in the in the bucket um and you go through two times uh and they take the your best score well our guys got number one uh at the tourney and then come to find out based on doing some research on their old website we actually got number one overall from the summer yeah uh by like about a half second which was really kind of cool and we didn't necessarily have a first baseman we used two middle infielders so my, i used my shortstop for my third baseman and i use my second baseman as my first baseman right that way that they're able to transfer the ball a little bit better and i put two speed burners out in the outfield it, it was fun i yeah. mean but it was the kids really enjoyed the competitions um the home run derby was was a blast yeah um, let's talk about how they scored that a little bit because that was kind of unique in the oh, home yeah. run derby and i'm going to go back to the skill the other one too for the skills competitions they may have all been different but since we only won the relay competition they did get like little nice wood etched plaques for yep. all the kids that participated in that competition Yep, and they announced it at uh, one of the games uh, that, hey, the Saginaw Bay River Dogs uh, relay team uh, were winners of the, the relay competition with the time of blah, 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 blah. Yep. So that that was really fun for the kids. The Home Run Derby, um, he went there and he, he had a good time. Uh, it's basically how many home runs can you hit in one minute? And, and it's not just home runs because there you get points Correct. for other hits too. We don't have to remember the exact number yeah. of points, but so what did what could you, you earn five, points for? Let's say you get five points for a home run, you get three points for a for a ball that's basically like off the wall, and you get one point. They they have cones set up in the outfield that are about twenty feet from the fence. If you land it between those cones and the warning track, you get one point. Right. Um you can't swing until the ball lands. And so they total up the number of points and then you get one ball. And if you hit a home run, it's worth double the points. The last, the, the, like the, the last very last ball, the very last ball. So time runs out. 
Mm-hmm. And then they say, okay, here's your bonus ball. If you hit a home run, it's double the points. If you hit the warning track or the fence, it's still double the points, but you go from, you know, three to six. Right. And if you, if it's just a long fly ball that lands in the one point, then you just get two points. Right. I, I liked how they scored it because um, some people who are really great hitters but maybe don't quite have the power to hit home runs can still go there and rack up a number of points if they're right. consistently getting a hold of it. And it was it was fun watching some of these 12-year-olds just hit absolute bombs. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're, Hitting it was... them into the batting cages <laughs> behind the fence and... Yeah, that was it was a lot of fun. And, you know, you got kids that are, you know, your teammates are out there kind of watching and they're seeing, you know, their teammate hit bombs. And then you've got people cheering for from other teams when when you hit one into the lake or into the pond. And yeah, it's it, it was a lot of fun. It definitely was. So that's basically your first day. That That's your Sunday is going through those those activities. Then Monday through Wednesday are the five pool games. So obviously two of the days you're going to play two games. One, one of those days you'll play one game. And then they do, based on how the pool games go, they do seating for brackets, which start Thursday morning. They had a gold bracket and a silver bracket. And I should mention there were 27 or 28 yeah, there were 20, 12 U teams. There were 27 12 U teams. And if in order for you to make the gold bracket, you had to be one of the top 18 teams. So you still had a pretty decent shot of winning the tourney if you're one of the top 18. And I mentioned in our previous episode that when we were there, it actually happened that a team was one in four, but still made the gold bracket because there were so many one in four teams and they had right. the best record. So it was definitely easier than in some other tournaments to make the gold bracket if that's. If and, that's one of your goals. Yeah. And, and that was nice. Uh, it, it was nice to see more teams given, you know, given the shot to, to make it. Um, yeah. And then there were seven teams in the silver bracket. So it's not. No, there were nine teams in the silver what did bracket. I say? Did I say nine? Yeah. Eight, no, seven. you said seven. I said seven. There were yeah, nine. I meant nine. Yeah. Um, Math is hard. There were, it, it is hard. Um, there are nine teams in the silver bracket and, and it's an actual bracket. It's, it's not like a consolation game. Yeah. So you, you can still you win. Know, come out and win. And so that that was nice. Right. And I think something that would be interesting to talk about is just the the level of play. Like, how would you kind of rate these teams that, that you played against? It seemed like it was fairly even. We weren't really put in pools, but you kind of were. We we faced, you know, some some pretty good teams. There was a team from California that we played and then a couple teams from Pennsylvania, a team from Maryland. I think it was very even across the board. Right. And... Your team, do you have any idea what place you ended up in the final tournament when things were all said and done? When everything was all said and done, uh, I think we were the number 11 seed out of 18. And well, out of 27, but 18 of, in the gold, yeah. Yeah. And then you lost the first bracket And then we game lost the first bracket To the bracket team game. that won the tournament. To the team that won the tournament, uh, team out of Tennessee. And it was a it was a good game. It was, it was a close game. It was a very game. good game. Uh, I was just going to try to give an idea of how you could compare the level of play because you guys are, you were classified as a U-Trip majors level team. Realistically Correct. speaking, you were probably more of a high double A slash in other states, maybe triple A, but Michigan doesn't have triple A. <laughs> Correct. We wanted to be a little bit more competitive. So we played in primarily open major types of tournaments. Um, we competed there, didn't necessarily do as well as what we had hoped. But yeah, we we would probably be classified as a triple A team. And so you went to this tournament and basically finished three and three. Yeah, we finished three and three. Yeah, so I guess you could kind of expect if you're about a triple A level team to be in the middle of the road 
for the and, teams that are going to yeah. be there. And we we competed against each of the teams that were there. So two of our losses were to the two two finalists that week. Right. You are, had already mentioned that they have two-hour time limits for these games, which is pretty generous for a 12U tournament. And they did allow extra innings as long as you weren't over time. So it's a six-inning game, but yep. you do have two hours to play. So, And we that happened with us where we were tied. There was extra time, so we got to play a seventh inning, and then you guys won. Yep, and, and I like that because there were most of our games we were able to get right out on the field uh, because most games were finished in an hour 40, hour, yeah. hour 30. Yeah, because two hours is a ton of time for a six-inning game, Correct. really. It's, or it's a very good amount of time. And very rarely did the games start any sooner than the scheduled time. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm keeping track on Game Changer that this this game could be over with pretty soon. And all right, they're going to be ready to go 15 minutes after the end of that ga- game. And no, no, we're still, your game was scheduled at five. The umps come walking in at, you know, four, <laughs> 4 59, five o'clock. And then we start on time. And right. I think it was, they needed to get out of the sun and go change their shirts and get a little bit cooler. And right. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't rushed by any means. Were there any interesting like rules or bat rules or anything that need to be mentioned? So one of the interesting things about this tournament was if I had 20 kids on my roster, I could bat nine of them and I could use free defensive substitutions with everybody. So I could still have nine kids bat and then the other 11 kids, I could still do free substitutions, free substitutions. I could actually keep those nine kids that batted. I don't have to have them in the field at all. Right. I didn't do that, but that was kind of an interesting situation that I haven't seen at any other tournaments. That's interesting. That was actually our rules for rec ball. You could bat however many kids you wanted to bat, but obviously whatever you started at the beginning of the game, you have to bat that same number the whole game. Correct. But defensively, yeah, completely free substitution. So whoever you bat and who you play don't have to be one in the same. Yep. So that is interesting. That's that's good to know. Bat rules, were they pretty standard? I think they used uh, USSA bat rules. Um, okay. So basically so. you couldn't use the 2017 Zen. Right. Yeah. Bats that were- Drop eight, drop 10. Outlawed everywhere else are going right. to be, you can't use there either. And one interesting thing I wrote down here, and I only know this because our 13U team had looked into going- to Ripken last year, and because of this reason, they decided not to, and it's that their 13U teams play on a 60-90 field, so they play on full high school-sized fields, so just putting that out there in case you're a 13U team looking at going there, just know that that's what they use. They always had two umps for the games, right? Yes. Did you have any issues or anything no, I thought the umps were were pretty good o- overall. There were a couple mm-hmm. calls that, of course, were, we you know yeah. we're kind of like yeah, I don't know about that. And then the coach comes over, he goes, I don't know about that one. You guys kind of you know yeah. got the short end of the draw on that. But you know, for for the most part, the umps we knew what their ball and strike ratio was. I thought it was you know more of a legit strike zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were a couple umps that were giving you four or five inches outside uh, on occasion. But I I thought overall, uh, I didn't have any. Major complaints with with the umpires. Right, I thought I w- they were very good. They were they were Ripken umps. I mean, that's I think right. that's their main job. I'm going to go through pricing a bit. And Ripken was kind enough to provide me with this information. Like Brian mentioned, they were really responsive in email, and I had that experience myself. So they are offering their early bird pricing right now for 2022. And that is only through October 7th. So the early bird 2022 pricing that's already opened up now is $525 per participant. And the participant includes players and coaches. That's for 10U to 12U. 
It's $565 per participant for 13U to 16U. Again, those early bird prices do expire on October 7th, and at that point in time, they will increase. If your team was interested, you could lock in that pricing now by registering with a $1,000 deposit. Uh, Ripkin also wanted to let our listeners know that that fee does include the player and coach gift. And, and once again, there's no gate or parking fees. That price does include the MLB ambassador appearance. It includes a six-game minimum, and you could play up to a nine-game maximum. It includes the entertainment package, which is those coupons for things like free putt-putt, water park, stuff like that. And once again, they wanted to remind you that there are no lodging or food beverage restrictions besides no oh. alcohol. <laughs> So that's it for the pricing. I wanted to end with just a few other things that may be good to know if you're planning a trip here. Uh, We've already said that there's no alcohol. There's also no smoking at their facility. They do not allow seeds or gum, and that's standard per any facility that has turf. I saw lots of season come. Yeah, but don't do that. It's no, terrible it for was, the turf. It was bad. <laughs> and this one I actually looked up when we went because our other brother, Mark, was considering coming to visit, but he would have had to have brought his dog cross-country to come to the games. And so we looked up to see if dogs were allowed, and they do not allow dogs unless you have them for medical purposes. So Mark was not able to come. Even if it's a therapy dog? Well, that was kind of a great area, but we didn't think it was worth it was worth uh, getting turned down for an emotional support animal if, if that wasn't considered medical. We weren't sure. You could email and ask. I'm positive, and they'll probably respond within 24 hours. <laughs> They did not do any sort of pin trading. Um, I have seen people get pins for their tournaments and talk about them on social media, but at least at this tournament we were at, we did not see any pin trading. Um, We had already mentioned that, you know, if you've got kids, send them to go get foul balls. They might get something fun in return for turning them in. They use the Turdy Machine app, which I love. I hate when you have to go to some crazy website portal to find information, but Ripken uses Turdy Machine, so you probably already have that on your phone. And they did use that to communicate with parents in regards to weather information and stuff like that, too. So that's really convenient. One thing that we learned, we almost missed out on it because we didn't know about this. Uh, Do you want to talk about that, the ring? Yeah, so after our last game in bracket play, we lost a close game, and, you know, that was our last last ball tournament together for the baseball season and people are headed back to the condo and we're we're walking out and all of a sudden they look and or a couple parents look and they're like what's going on in the big tent oh there's ring ceremony going on do we have the ring ceremony for us and so we're we're trying to figure out what's going on and then all of a sudden yeah that's for us and so we're i think we we had to call like one kid who had already left the couple kids had already left yeah and we're like uh you might want to turn around and, and come back. And yeah, they did get a ring ceremony. Um, they're nice rings. Uh, say Ripken on it. You know, one of the workers, you know, says thank you for coming. And, you know, I the head coach passes out the rings to each of the ball players, And it, it was kind of a nice thing. And then you can go, go over to their big picture board and, you know, get everyone's picture taken and all that other stuff. So that was kind of nice. And when we went to the New Year's Eve fest in Florida, they did a similar thing and we were similarly confused at that one when we're trying to leave and people are gathering and are we supposed to be part of this? What's going on? It was the exact same thing. There was an area set up to get your picture taken. The coaches, you know, thank everybody, get final pictures. Everybody gets their kind of like participation ring. (laughs) I know Brian loves participation trophies. We could do an entire episode on that, but the kids like their little ring. They do. It's not a trophy. It's a ring. It is a ring. It's a little bit different. (laughs) I I do have some stories about some participation trophies that... (laughs) 
it involved a bat and some uh, eye protective wear <laughs> that my son wanted to do. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and my kids, and yeah, it, it was it was fun. So anyway, that's just something to keep in mind because um, that's you know it's always a bummer if you didn't just win your last game to gather everybody up and say your goodbyes on your way out. But look for the tent because you might be getting a, a nice ring for everybody yep. and a final little farewell. Brian kind of alluded to the fact earlier that they had an old website. Ripken Experience just launched their new RipkenBaseball.com website in partnership with League Apps. So if you want any more information about the tournament, you should be able to get anything there. Um, I noticed myself because they just did this within the last few days, I believe. There are a few pages that I you know, would find links to and they're down. A lot of things are down. 404 error. Page not found. Yeah. So they're just now going they're, through this. They're working on it. They'll get it. Yeah. I'm sure. They're working on it. But you should be able to get all the major information that you're looking for on that website. And once again, just make sure if your team is looking into doing a Ripken Experience Tournament next year, which we would definitely recommend. It's a good time. I don't know anyone that's gone to one of their tournaments and not had a great time. To see if you can get that booked before October 7th. We we did not get ours booked until probably mid-January. And so we ended up paying the full price, which I don't know what it was at the time. I just know that it was way cheaper than, than Cooperstown. And we were bummed about not going to Cooperstown. Oh, absolutely. And this is a totally different experience. But at the same time, we looked at a couple different places and we wanted to have some sort of experience for our ball players. They were bummed that they couldn't go to Cooperstown. And you know what? I I had such a great time at um, Myrtle Beach. Uh, you know, it, it would be it's it's highly recommended that if you guys are able to get to some sort of Ripken experience, I I am a big fan of the how they ran everything at at Myrtle Beach. Right. It, it it was awesome. I, and I listened to you guys talk about you know the Branson experience at Ballparks of America, and I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. But you know what? The big draw, the beach, and the condo, and everything is right there. And, you know, we were, I think pretty much everybody there was very, very cordial and very nice and very communicative. And I, I, I had a, I had a blast. It was, it was a very good experience. I think it's worth mentioning since we did talk about Cooperstown and this is not to diss Cooperstown because Cooperstown is its own thing. I don't know if anything is going to compare to Cooperstown, but you guys actually had paid a deposit towards Cooperstown already. Correct. My understanding is when you changed your mind and weren't able to go, you did not get that deposit for Cooperstown back. Correct. Paid full price for the Ripken experience and yes. still paid less money than you would have paid to take your team to Cooperstown. To a certain degree, yes, in, in terms of baseball. Well, you ended up spending the money on spending goodie bags for the kids bit. and stuff yes. like that. So we, we, we did it. We actually charged our, our kids a little bit more than you know whatever the, the per participant fee was. Well, you charged your families more. We you charged charge our families more. Yeah, we charged our families more. And we had uh, two moms did an awesome job, and they got swag bags for each mm-hmm. of the kids. And that was one of the coolest things. The, the kids, when they were opening up their... Their gifts. They had no idea that any of this stuff was coming. Uh, at at the tournament the week before, uh, one of the down nights, they passed out the swag bags. Oh, it was awesome. They had like a little water bottle with a cooling fan. They had bottles of water. They had uh, different Myrtle Beach shirts in there. They had uh, one of the the river dog bucket hats, mm-hmm. you know, that they wore to the beach all the time and everywhere that's down there. Uh, they had ginormous beach towels. Oh, yeah, like a beach blanket almost. It was almost like a beach blanket that's bigger than the kids. They, their they number can't even hold embroidered it all on there. Their, na- their name and number embroidered on the on the towels. It, that was one of the cooler things um, that, that those parents did, and Megan and Ashley did an amazing job with 
with that swag bag. They did. And that, was, some, that was so cool. Something else that they did that I don't know if any other teams did this or not, but I thought it was pretty cool was that they had our, you know, our standard apparel store that makes shirts for our organization made special shirts just for Myrtle Beach. So we had a bunch of like team shirts that people could opt to buy or not to buy, but it would be like, um, so it would have our logo with like Myrtle Beach on the front. And then they'd have like, you know, proud river dog mom of number whatever, number 10 on the back. So all the moms could wear that shirt on one day. They could all wear, you know, their red shirt with their motivational saying on it, you know, for opening ceremonies or whatever. And then the kids got these shirts too. So that was just a fun thing. You don't have to do it, but. No, it was, it was that extra stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a cheapskate and (laughs) I'm looking like, this is a cool idea. We're we're spending how much money? I don't want to do. All right. Well, we'll get a couple of them. It it was cool. It it was uh, fan gear specifically for Myrtle Beach and parents were like, okay, we're wearing our red shirts today. And, you know, even if they didn't have the fan gear, a lot of the, you know, parents or siblings or whoever still had a red river dog shirt, you know, so they were still able to participate. You're talking about shirts and I want to mention this before I forget. They had an option to pre-order the tournament shirt before we went there and it was cheaper that way. So I do yep. recommend doing it. And it wasn't a big deal because we were able to exchange them all and who knows, maybe they'll change by next year. But we noticed that those shirts ran really small. Really small. So yep. the kids tended to exchange them for another shirt, at least one, if not two sizes bigger than what they would generally wear. So keep that in mind. If they haven't changed their shirts, maybe go up a size or two, but do consider pre-ordering that tournament shirt. And with your complaint about shirts, I don't know if you guys do this at all, but I just took my kids school shopping, back to school shopping. They do not get shirts for back to school shopping. Their oh. tournament shirts and their their River Dog apparel and all that crap, that's their that's their school clothes for the year. Yeah. They don't get shirts. Between all the tournament, you know, Brady goes to uh, Grand Park and, oh, can I get this tournament shirt? And like, okay, let's see. I'm like, okay. Now that's just one less shirt that you're going to get in, in the fall. Right. You know, then we go to uh, Super Select 30 in Dayton and he's got that shirt and we're doing mm-hmm. this. And like, okay, there's our school shopping. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think your kids, I, I see your kids wearing old jerseys all the time yeah, because i literally do i mean literally i did not buy them a single shirt like yeah their shirts are their apparel <laughs> their tournament shirts and their old jerseys that's that's what they have yep. <laughs> so is there anything else you can think of that you would want to know or you think parents may like to know coaches players before they go to this tournament or- uh, hydrate that that would be the, one of the main things uh, make sure you stay hydrated um, and I don't know where, where I stand on this. Uh, I know coaches, sometimes when you go to a hotel or whatever, you know, they don't want the kids swimming, um, because it, it drains them. I'll tell you what, we, we were at this, <laughs> we were at this tournament and if we weren't at the ball field, it seemed like we were at the water park. They were in the pool. They were at the beach. They were all over the place running around. And I don't think it impacted them. I, I thought they played pretty good ball. Oh, they I, did. I, I thought they would, I thought they would have been dead by Wednesday. And they played, they played fairly well. I, I was proud. So, you know what? Let them go to the beach. Let them swim. Let them have a blast. Let them be kids. They're 12. It's for the experience. It's not about the baseball. It is. It's not about the baseball. It's about the whole experience as a whole. And part of that is let them be kids. Let them run around. Let them go to the pool. Let them go to the beach and just have a lot of fun. Right. I, I agree with you. And I think sometimes we think kids have our energy. You know, like we couldn't go run around at the beach all day and then go play a baseball game. But like, I can't run around at the beach for like 10 minutes, (laughs) let alone all day. So I I go to the beach and I sit. (laughs) 
I think we're constantly underestimating our children because, yeah, they can just go and go and go for days. And with that said, I don't know about your kids, but my kids slept like the dead. Like when it was time to go to bed because we had three kids in a room, I thought, yeah. oh, they're going to be rowdy or whatever. Nope. No problems getting them nope. to settle down They put down themselves to, to, to bed. It's awesome. Yep. Well, I think that is everything we have for our unofficial guide to the Ripken experience at Myrtle Beach. If you have any other questions and you're not able to find it on the Ripken website, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if you've got any comments or feedback, let us know. And if you've got any corrections, we'll make sure to include any updates or corrections on our website, momsandbaseball.com. On deck for next week, we will be talking about the PBR or the Prep Baseball Report Junior Futures Games in Georgia. In the meantime, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Moms in Baseball. And make sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this episode. We'll see if Brian can do this in Stephanie's absence. But until next time. Have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. Good job. I'm so proud. Sorry, you're going to have to edit part of this. (laughs) I have no idea where you were going with this.